The Overview is a production of Chaman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. So what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 95 of The Overview. I'm Chamian V. And of course, Fish Six is here. ZP is not here tonight, unfortunately. He's busy contendering somewhere. But instead, we've got Yiska joining us for the first time. What's up, buddy? Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for staying up. Man, <laughs> it's it's like four <laughs> o'clock or something over there. So uh, yeah, this dedication. Yeah, yeah dedication. It. Yeah, exactly. So I really appreciate you you joining us. And I've been meaning to ask you for a long time too. So I'm glad we finally figured out time. Um, but it's been a while, guys. I know it's been like three weeks, I think, since we've done a show. And a lot has happened in three weeks. So uh, I think we, we're trying to pick the, just the highlights from, from uh, the last three weeks. And it's a mixture of game stuff with Retribution, a little bit of drama, oh, no, a lot of drama. And then, of course, we've got some, some Overwatch <laughs> much, in there Chris, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> There's some Overwatch in there somewhere. You know, the actual matches in there. But um, if you got any questions, go ahead and um, tweet those tonight. We're not going to do emails because we, we just, you know, again, it's been, been a while. So go ahead and tweet those to the Overview uh, GG, and we will ask them. Maybe we'll take them to Twitch chat, too, you know, like depending on how, how uh, things go here. But... Uh, I wanted to start off with just the event, given that we haven't talked about the event, uh, Retribution. Um, you guys enjoying like the PvE and just all the new skins, all that good stuff? Ben? You know, Chris, for, for once, I've been good and actually played the special events. Oh uh, usually God. I'm like, wow. I don't even, like, I, I just want to play ranked all the time, <laughs> exactly. but I have actually played Retribution. Okay. And I gotta say, it just makes you think there could be an Overwatch single player campaign. I mean, you can wrap the story in there. Yeah, it's fun yeah. to play the team-based, like class-based gameplay against, uh, you know, uh, computer-controlled enemies. Mm -hmm. The gameplay is pretty fun. It looks beautiful. I'm sure it must be really difficult for for them to create, you know, these super detailed, gorgeous maps and everything for each of these. So it must the development time is probably pretty pretty tough. And and they actually reuse. Uh, that those same assets for maps in the game so it makes sense that they roll it out progressively along with the game mm -hmm. but at the same time it's just like we could have an overwatch single player like this proves it to me it was good enough it was on that bar quality i thought yeah yes go about you man did you get, get a chance to play it <sighs> i mean usually i'm not too much into these events i i played a little bit just to check it out and see yeah. Basically, what what kind so of characters? Hardcore, man! Like, why do I even bother having this segment? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but so did you actually play it all though? Like, get it to, like, try yeah, I, play, I played yeah. like a round or two, and okay. I think I finished two. But yeah, yeah I, I think it was it was generally pretty fun. And if they get to reuse the assets, also as we've seen with that yeah, bug so, in. Yeah. In, in rank oh, yeah. play, I suppose. <laughs> then, um, yeah, yeah I, I think it's fine. Like, definitely everything that brings more active players back. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, to be sort of self-serving, to bring them back into the game and then also interact with Overwatch League content, obviously always a bonus for me. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, your point, Ben, about it being another game, like, I've done, definitely thought about, you know, definitely be awesome to have more game modes and things like that, but I'm wondering if it should just be, like, another game, like, separate from, from you know, Overwatch itself, like, if it's going to be a single-player game or even just some of these custom games, right? Like, the, I mean, Lucio Ball's probably not the best example, but, you know, the, the, those type of games, too, I, I feel like uh, could be, like, an arcade, right? And, and just have the full-out arcade separately. Uh, well, um, we, we know for a fact that this, this will never happen, or something <laughs> huge would have to change for it to happen, because Jeff Kaplan said specifically that they were only going to be limited runs for Retribution, for yeah. Uprising, for these types of game modes. Yeah. It's only going to be a limited time only, and I guess it makes sense from a marketing perspective. You, you, you build some hype, you bring in players who haven't, haven't played in a long time. I get it. Uh, at the same time, the one part that was lacking, I thought, with Retribution was really the plot reveals. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. they're they're in Venice for some reason. They're talking to some mob boss for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Reaper so we now up. know that Blackwatch like does things that Overwatch can't, but like that that's it. That, that's that was all the plot that we got. Yeah, uh, and so. then it's like, okay, they get out. So what happens after that? Like, do they go? Is this the point where they go? go talent on it? i mean they, they they're obviously killing talent here so at some point right they end up going to talent so there's that missing piece of the plot i think that's probably going to play out in the next i don't know next year maybe it's like the next you know event during this time uprising event or whatever uh, retribution or uh i don't know what, it, what what is it the what would be the the next one it'd be the uh uh the i don't know what would we call the other one like I mean, it's probably going to be like the return of Overwatch or something. I don't know. Return, <laughs> return over? It can't be return of Overwatch because they're actually they're, they're going bad, right? They're like like the the journey to the dark side or something like that, right? For these guys. But um, my my take on the uh, event is that it was really easy. Like at least the easier levels. You know, I, I felt like like I didn't have a problem finishing even I think expert the one that's second to the top. Um, the top one's still hard. But yeah, generally speaking, I think the last uprising one was much harder um, with with uh, how hard it was even to finish in in the second to last mode. It like took me even one or two tries the first time I did it. Uh, but overall, it's definitely fun. And uh, this one, this one seemed to have a better story though. The uprising one was just kind of like ah, uh, you know, it, it was a good way to re- uh, release Arissa at the time. But other than that, it was just kind of like uh, you know, it's, it's not as interesting as as them. You know, kind of finding out the story about the beginnings of them going to Talon. Um, but okay. Well, anyways, that's kind of Retribution. Good guys, I think it's going to be... Uh, how much longer? I think maybe like another week or two of Retribution. And then, um, you know, then we're not going to be able to get those skins again. Um, but one thing that was released tonight that involves at least the, the map on <laughs> Retribution is the PTR patch came out. And man, we've got some balance changes on here too. Obviously, the new map too. And uh, it's time to talk about some balance changes. So um, let's take a look at this. And we, we literally were looking at this about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so, um, all right. So we got the new map, which is the whole Venice um, the setting. So, you know, I guess we'll have to kind of see how that plays out. Uh, I guess, first off, any of you guys get a chance to play it? Because I, I haven't I, seen it. Yeah. I messed around in it for about five minutes right before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that everyone has been talking about, it seems pretty obvious, 
if you've been playing since the early days of the of even the beta or when the game was first launched until now, you've realized there's this trend where Overwatch or where Blizzard tends to release bigger and bigger and more open and more open maps. So the community, myself included, in general, seems to be craving more maps like King's Row, less maps like you know Blizzard World. Uh, that's quite open and has a lot of high ground. So when I saw this, I'm like, "Ooh, it's on Venice. It's going to have tight streets, tight corridors. This is this is potentially the chance for another King's Row-esque map, or at least something closer." Well, we did get closer. It's definitely not a Junker Town or Blizzard World, but it's definitely also not a King's Row. I'd say it's still much wider, still a lot more high grounds. Um, so I'm still not sure. We're going to see anything other than dive comps on it, or or that being the dominant strategy. Um, there are certainly points which felt a little bit tighter, uh, but just as a as a fan, as as a player, uh, and as someone that loves watching the game, I just want to see more Reinhardt's, yes. more Zarya's, more Roadhogs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So kind of tired of seeing the dive and w- Widow. I can't believe I'm actually saying that, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> Widows at least. You know, it's like I was hoping Widow would be a huge part of the the, the league, which it actually is, and it's still good to have it. But it, it'd be nice to at least have one map or a couple more map or a couple more maps so we can see a, a different composition. Yeska, what's your take on what though. you've seen? Yeah, what's your take on what you've seen? <clears throat> so I have to admit, I haven't looked at the map at all, mm-hmm. but yeah, from from first six, uh descriptions, is, is it? Would you say it's like? Route 66, then? Um, yeah, you know, it, it's definitely more. It's definitely more on the narrow side uh, out of all the maps. But there, are, from what I could see, at almost every point has very significant high ground control as well. So yeah, I, I guess you could say in a way it's similar to Route 66. Yeah. Maybe maybe mid Dorado at, at some points too, like the middle of Dorado. Kind it's of not as high as Dorado. Okay, it's like high grounds, but like mm-hmm. mid middle high grounds. I guess mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, but I anyway, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll see soon when we get to play it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's talk about some balance here. We got Genji deflect. The hitbox size has been reduced. Okay, so I guess uh, you know. <laughs> Having to hit his sword isn't too unreasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of bullets just bouncing off of, you know, just this. I mean, that was around. just obnoxious, wasn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, I am bad. I already miss you, but I, you get to hit me. It's, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like I'm not even headshotting you, and you're headshotting me. What the heck? Yeah. This is this is not right. Yeah. So that, that seems to be a, a proper adjustment there, Hanzo. We've got a, a few things here. You know, lots of little ch- changes that they're trying to. To you know, like um, switch up with his abilities. So we got Stormbow. Uh, the projectile has actually been increased. So it's gone from eighty-five to hundred. The speed of it. Um, it's basically faster than like a fully charged arrow would be. Right. It, it feels like hit scan almost. Oh really? Wow. It, it's like it's super fast. It's really? like very, 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 very fast. So it doesn't have a drop at all. I mean, it still has the drop it, though, right? Barely. Like I was testing it out, like. Really, it barely has a drop. The, wow. How does the three dots work then? Like, does this oh, still operate the same way? Crosshair. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. I don't play Hanzo that much, so I still use the default <laughs> crosshair one. But um, all right, Sonic Arrow. We've got uh, cooldown decreased from twenty seconds to twelve seconds. I think they just want you to be able to cast it a little bit more and not have it just you know last forever. So um, yeah, I like this. I think this is pretty good. Yeah, you know, it, it shouldn't be just like. Widow's 
ultimate, you know, where you can just see everything for a good, good amount of time. And the radius is huge. Um, you guys like this? Yeah. 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 I think it's great. Like if you think about it, that's one pet peeve that like the group of friends I watch with always have is why do you only bring out the Hanzo scout on King's row or on spawns where you get your first angle from spawn, just take that time. And you already have so much information, it's definitely uh, worth it, especially if you're one of those teams that runs back to spawn in order to mm -hmm. counter a specific um, comp composition. So yeah. I think in general, just that information is so valuable. And David, like, that, that is a straight buff, right? Like, the, you don't really care as much about the duration. It's really just like, did you spot them? Yes, no. And 80% of the value of just spotting them in that location and also knowing what kind of hero is there is already most of the value. And then it doesn't matter if it's 10 seconds or 6 seconds. Yeah, yeah makes sense. So, um, okay, moving on. There's a, a lunge ability. This is brand new. So press jump while in the air to leap horizontal. So it's like a kind of a weird strafe, like sidestep kind of thing but a bigger sidestep um maybe just around corners or, or something like that i'm trying to actually figure out exactly how you know we're going to use it you know i was messing around with this earlier today it feels a little weird but it reminded me of something and i just realized what it reminded me of it reminds me of double tapping mm, in, yeah. in a direction in unreal yeah dude it's that, like just oh. a, it's just like a little small hop it's not super far okay. It's not super fast. It's just like a little burst of speed in one direction or the other. Yeah. So I, I guess the the question is 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 this supposed to be like for evading like rockets or maybe evading a, a widow shot or or you know like like that that sort of uh, defensive maneuvering or is it supposed to be more of a, an offensive move where you you know you kind of I don't know just sidestep and shoot you know and, and headshot somebody. Well, so you can charge. You can do a fully charge or you can do a fully charged shot. And then hop. So you can imagine scenarios where I feel like this is going to help Hanzo a lot, especially against like a let's say he's dueling a Widowmaker or something, mm -hmm. and he wants to peek the corner. You can hop a little bit, so it's going to be harder for yeah. that Widowmaker to hit yeah, you as true. you as you go out from cover. So I think it's more of an offensive move, personally. Yeah. Also in Hanzo duels, I suppose if that those were to happen, that could be interesting because usually you win those by. Um, I mean, headshotting most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the other one would just retreat. And now it's, you know, there's some evasive maneuvers predicting, especially online, if we're being honest, uh, with the netcode. It's, it's more like, okay, can you anticipate where someone would be shooting? And then mm -hmm. you can, um, or when he would start shooting, and then do the little hop in the air. Because if you notice, especially Overwatch League players, like one player that definitely did it at some point was unbind space because they keep jumping and it mm. makes movement very predictable in a sense. Yeah. So yeah. this is the ultimate fix it. Yeah. Uh, realistically, it's, a, it's great. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, next thing is storm arrows. This is the thing that they changed, you know, in terms uh, the most with the features is that instead of having the scatter arrows now, right? It now is. Um, an ability where he can fire like six arrows, I think sequentially, right? Like with just super fast. So he can just go bam, 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 bam kind of thing. Uh, so six arrows that deal reduced damage, but always fire at full power. So you don't have to actually hold it back. It's it's kind of crazy, actually. It's like tap, 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 tap <laughs> type of thing. 
Um, all right, so it's better than Scatter. No, no question. It's better than Scatter Arrow. Uh, so the so I guess what is it most like in, in y'all's minds? Like Yiska, like is there another gun that is similar to this or might feel kind of similar to it? Like maybe I don't know, a soldier just holding the button down or something. I don't even know exactly. I mean, in in general, this should help help him close range, right? Um, because if if especially sometimes it's like you headshot at someone, but you didn't fully charge or something, and then he has some some little tiny itty bitty yeah. uh, sliver of health left, and that's actually quite hard for Hanzo to finish. Because if you just mini charge it, it's also very hard to control. So now you have a way to full power. Um, solve these situations, but it's not necessarily even bad against tanks. What I will say, though, is that it probably allows the tank to uh, predict the damage more and get out more easily, because sometimes you could just one-shot specific tanks in silly situations, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think that works anymore, and especially against higher-skilled opponents, I'm not sure if a tank is going to allow you to really kill him with that ability. But we, we will see. I'm notoriously bad at uh, predicting what changes will do to yeah. matters so it's always hard yeah the scatter shot was the probably one of the most frustrating abilities in the whole game to get killed by so i'm cool with pretty much anything um taking its place uh this one seems cool it looks cool uh the rate of fire is very very high so you could imagine a situation where you have like i don't know like a like a fleta or something just going like bah, 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 like that could be a really cool, exciting moment. Uh, there is a lot of potential to for high skill uh, players to use that uh, and get a lot of uh, value. So, I'm a huge fan of this change. Yeah, I wish they would have put the uh, the actual damage, you know, the the you know what the damage numbers actually are, because you know, like six headshots in a row. I mean, forget just firing a different target; just fire the same target six times. I mean, that should mm -hmm. it's kind of like what you were saying, Yuska. Right? It, it could actually potentially do well against tanks. I hope that mm -hmm. that's not the case because that's not supposed to happen. Like Hanzo's not supposed to do well against tanks, so like in a one v one type of scenario. Um, but yeah, I think it sounds pretty cool, though. It's, it definitely sounds like it's going to be pretty fun to a lot more fun to play him, or you don't feel quite as helpless whenever you're you're do you're getting dived at. <clears throat> I suppose one thing you you asked earlier what it's like, mm -hmm. right? And it does it not feel a little bit like giving uh, the the machine gun for Widowmaker? That gives Widowmaker at least some way to combat like close range targets. I mean, we, we even see in Overwatch League that, for instance, Carpe would go for body shots on Tracer and then just finish them off and take close range one v once. If not, in fact, he's just killing them outright. But yeah, that uh, certainly allows a Widow some sort of dual ability against uh, even Tracer. Yeah. Well, yep. it'll be good, and then you know I, I think it'll reward just again it'll, it'll re just reward a higher skill cap too. So, or at least it is a higher skill cap, and that's <laughs> always a good thing, you know, in terms of of uh, the characters like Hanzo. All right, Junkrat, we've got a couple things. Frag launcher, the projectile size decreased from point three to point two, and then uh, rip tire speed even slower now, thirteen to twelve is probably probably hard to actually notice, but. Um, you know, I think Riptire, we're still tweaking. And Ben, I know you're really happy with these changes. Oh, God, I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> so Junkrat, I, I wouldn't say Junkrat is completely, like, OP or anything. Uh, but 
he feels kind of BSy to play against because the projectile hitbox was so fat and so huge that it really didn't feel like you had to be aiming well to actually hit the shots. Now, I'm not even a TF2 guy. I didn't play much TF2 back in the day. But Demo Man, you had to be accurate as hell. Like, those were tiny hitboxes. They were like little, little guys <laughs> like this. So when you saw a Demo Man flying through the air and hitting shots, it was incredible. When you see a Junkrat flying through the air and hitting shots, you're like, oh, he just aimed in my general direction, and that was bullshit. So I guess the, the only concern that I have is, like, the projectile size hitbox is going from 0.3 to 0.2. That's a massive reduction. Is this too much of a reduction that makes Junkrat not good at this point? Um, that That's the only potential problem, but overall, I, I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, and the tire, too. I mean, the tire movement speed decreases is less than 10%. It's pretty uh, pretty minimal, but I, I'm in favor of this one, too. Just even at the highest levels, it's so difficult to kill the tire. So I like this one as well. Yeah. I have to say, like, a, a Junkrat tire is is probably the most unhealthy ultimate in the game. I was going to I was going to ask you that question. So it's right? yeah, you brought That's, it up. It's yeah. it's completely busted in a sense. Mm. The problem is, okay, so if we're saying is Junkrat balanced, well, what do you mean by saying that, right? I'm pretty sure he doesn't have overly high win rates across the board on all maps, but he has ridiculous win, win rates at least in pro play on some maps. For instance, his home map Junkertown, simply because of the second point where I mean, sadly, at Winterslap, we, we don't have the stats for kills per ultimate at the moment. But it's like, you basically always get a kill with Tyre uh, between uh, B, and, sorry, A and B, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just like over the sky boxes or whatever. And the, the speed reduction will also not change this yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, that's not going to change it at all, yeah. It's completely busted. It's like, if you use... Junkrat tire and the opponent doesn't on Junkertown, it's something ridiculous like 70%, regardless of how many ultimates the opponent uses, because you always get a pick on, uh, on that map. And it's, it, it, you also charge more quickly on Junkertown. So, um, in terms of is, is Junkrat across the board balanced in the sense that he has a higher win rate? Slightly, maybe. Uh, I would assume that's also true in competitive, just in rank play. But He's just unhealthy in in so many ways, right? He's he's way too strong in, in on certain in certain points, and it really doesn't feel that satisfying to be outplayed, if you want to call it that, by a junk rat. Yeah, and it's just unhealthy. I I think that it's going to be a, kind of a, a tough thing because the the junk rat tires make for exciting moments, you know, on on the broadcast and. Um, I mean, I don't. I personally don't love them because I feel like so many matches are just dependent upon, you know, just the the like you said, the number of rip tires. You know, if, if a rip tire kills both of your support, you're just completely screwed. It's always going to kill one support. It's like guaranteed to kill at least one support. Um, and if, if it feels like so many matches like just literally come down to that, and and it's not you know it's not very satisfying after a certain point. But I think for the general audience, the rip tires are considered exciting. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you say? It is an ooh and ah moment. <laughs> yeah. So, just because of the tension, but... Yeah. I don't know how you're going to change that. Um, I mean, 
the the supports shouldn't you know the only way you could do it is like to have the supports be able to kill it a little easier but then you know those rip tires will be completely worthless and nobody would ever play it again so um it's only been about what maybe six to eight months that junk rat's been been you know like played again i mean for a long time it wasn't even yeah. around right so we we're kind of at this i guess late stages of just you know junk rat um you know us being tired of junk rat but the tire like for it to actually just be viable period is always going to have this issue so you know you really just have to look at rip tire as a a design period and you know whether it's it's actually a good thing or not um you know because like something that's similar is like like diva's nuke you know diva's nuke has kind of the same feel but it doesn't it's not as consistent right and so i don't know i feel like i'm it's much more palatable because of that mm. but rip tire yeah like you said it's it's crazy consistent on on uh, maps like junker town and it's not fun to it's just not fun for the players at least um lucio all right wall writing god what do they do here i feel like they, there's always something with wall writing with lucio it's like you'd think that they would there'd just be nothing left to change because they've they've tried so much. But now it looks like you can go around corners uh with having to le without having to leave the wall. I thought they already fixed that at one point, but I guess it's still happening on a lot of They made it more forgiving, but have yeah. you seen the gifts of this yet? No. Is it just crazy? Like, you know the, the, you know the circular like, thing? You know the circular yeah. thing on uh the Li on Jean. control point on yeah, Li yeah. yeah. There's a Lucio just going. He's just doing laps on it. <laughs> oh oh god. my god, it's so funny okay. looking. So I, you know, I'm like 90% sure this will not go to live. Wait, so you don't have okay. to jump Ooh. anymore, basically. You just you just run like in circles, basically. Yeah. Okay. I think my understanding is because it's usually on one wall you have a, a timer mm -hmm. where at, when it goes off you like you just drop down, but yeah. because you can now go from wall to wall. That timer continuously resets, and you yeah. can just infinitely. And then also, if you speed boost, I mean, it's it's just you're just a speed demon at that point. <laughs> oh, okay, I gotta look for these. I gotta look for these gifts afterwards. That must be hilarious <laughs> to to see, or at least people trying to shoot them. That's gonna be pretty funny. Uh, Soundwave no longer consumes ammo. Oh, okay, I love this one. I mean, it's ultimately it's like relatively subtle. Um, but, like, I just think Lucio is one of the best design characters in the game. He's fun to play. Mm -hmm. uh, he's so impactful. Boop is such a unique ability. I just love this. Like, as someone... Right now, actually, Lucio is my highest win rate this season and my highest most played by far. I'm, like, 63% win rate right now with Lucio and loving every minute of it. Minute of it. So I couldn't... I, I'm just excited about this. I think it's a great change. <laughs> Lucio's always been your favorite, man. Like ever since the up there, beginning. He's up there. Since the beginning, you know, definitely has ups no, and downs. Original Lucio was boring as shit. You still you liked it. Riding didn't give the speed boost. Or you still maybe you wished for a lot. Of I played him a lot. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's because he was really good. Uh, okay, tracer bomb max damage decreased from four hundred to three hundred. Oh man, thank God. I mean, I, I actually like this one because oh yeah, of how much damage he was doing to tanks and stuff. Like it, yeah. Go ahead, speak to it. I think this only nerves a specific uh, stereotype of or archetype of Tracer. Mm -hmm. So if you think about uh, archetypes of Tracer, they are like the sneaky ones, like Prophet, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I guess who else would be there? I, uh, let's just say Prophet. Then you have like the beast Tracers. That mm -hmm. yeah, Striker is more like he he will 
occasionally take duels and get into the back line, but he, he usually just beasts it through <laughs> mechanics, right? Yeah. And then you have the type of traces that just play frontline uh, bust, right? That will stick every single pulse bomb either on the diva most of the right. time on the diva or the Winston. And for them, for that last group, that's a huge no because that um, this this could kill that playstyle realistically. I think. Yeah. Is that a bad thing? Is Tracer not overplayed right now? I, I don't know if, if it solves the issue of mechanically great traces, uh, just having a very, very high uh, pick rate. I don't think you force Sabiolbia off Tracer with that change, necessarily. You will continue to stick other uh, squishies or force transcendence with it or whatever. Um, what it does punish is... Who plays frontline? But for, in, for instance, Clockwork does it a lot for Houston if he plays. Um, back in the day, Grim Reality used to do it for Immortals a lot. I, I'm sure I'm forgetting. I mean, occasionally you have um, meta strategies where when Korean teams face off against each other and they seem to have located um, like the weakness either in the D.Va or mm -hmm. try to get the savior of the weakness of the actual team. <laughs> um, out of his Mac, then you had the viable strategy of just uh, busting the the diva, and that won't be able that won't be a viable strategy anymore. Now, yeah, I, I don't like I don't mind too much that perceived lesser skill type of tracer to be gone. Right, like mm -hmm. I, I think most of us actually enjoy like a tracer and either going back into into the backline. Or coordinating with a, with a Winston mm -hmm. or the duels. I think the Tracer duels are the iconic things uh, about Tracer most of the time. I mean, I, I think Tracer recharges her ult so fast too that even if they have to do it like multiple times, you know, just, e even if you are playing that frontline type of Tracer, you know, just take a little bit more now, like, you know, to, to un unmech that D.Va. And I mean, th those are the biggest plays, right? When you unmech the D.Va, the, the fight just completely turns. So, you know, I think making that just a little bit harder, giving the D.Va a little bit more of a chance, um, you know, is, is going to make for more interesting type of battles, um, or at least uh, skirmishes in, in uh, you know, just OWL right now. So, I don't know. I like it. I, will, I think it's good. Yeah. I will say it will be even harder to kill a cool mess. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. But it should be. He's good, True. you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the D.Vas should be rewarded. Right now, I think D.Vas are... You know, like they're having to really work hard, like right now, to make some impressive plays, and we still see some, but um, but I don't I don't think it's appreciated enough right now. Like the casters are doing a pretty good job of like like um, mentioning it when they do happen, but um, even like watching Gaguri play sometimes, you know, like she makes some really great plays, and it's just like, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to well, there's other things with Shanghai, but you know, it'd still be nice to to you know have them uh, just have the the divas just be in battles a little bit longer. Um, okay. Anything else here that's interesting? Hmm. I, I think that's, that's the, yeah, most that's of the pages, but overall, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this PTR patch right now. Yeah. Uh, I think it's making steps in the right direction across the board. Yeah. Yeah. I think, actually, so, just to add one little uh, thing about the Lucia change, I actually think that the, the, um, the boob change of uh, having it not consume... Uh, ammunition might actually really increase his ability to dual traces a lot more. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That, uh, no, that it's definitely true. Though. I mean, he already has a pretty good time in that fight. Like, 
Lucio can yes. dual tracer. So you're right. Yeah, that edges him a little further. Wow, yeah. Good point. Okay, uh, why don't we move on to some news, given that there's a lot of news and we're... You know, we, we're not going to cover everything that's happened in three weeks. Uh, I feel like with Overwatch, you know the things are going well with Overwatch as an eSport when there's just <laughs> there's just a lot of stuff going on, whether it's like players moving, players getting dropped, and other ones, you know, joining teams or players getting kicked off teams for whatever. And, and you know, like if that's like a measurement of like how we are with the eSport, I think we're right up there now. I think that's like we're just trying to check all the boxes for being a top eSport, and I think we're we're getting that part of it down too. Um, so kind of first off, uh, let's start with like a, a hire, like a management hire. So Susie Kim was actually hired as general manager for the London Spitfire, which uh, surprised me. Like I, I wasn't anticipating. I, like I saw that she left Twitch, right? And then... You know, a day later, she she announces on Twitter that she's going to be GMing the London team. Uh, so uh, it, it, it appears that she's kind of like taking on that mom role, you know, like uh, and, you know, obviously doing a lot, you know, getting them set up in the house and everything. Uh, but I think it's a great hire. Like Susie's, you know, obviously super passionate, smart. And and, you know, she has this rapport with the Korean players, too. She's always had, had this rapport with Korean players. So um, thoughts on on Susie? Jessica? I think she's basically the expert of easing Koreans into Western culture and yeah. has been for a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's definitely a great hire. She also has been talking to a lot of people uh, to, to just improve the team. I think them moving into a house is also an interesting solution. I, I, I think that might actually be beneficial because. I wonder how much divide there still is in the team. Because one thing that really rubbed me the wrong way, and I guess people can look at the VODs, but last time they played, and I don't know who it was against, but I specifically remember, it must have been the last game, um, that who y'all didn't want to contest the payload and just went back to spawn on Junkertown. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't imagine I that this was a that. miscommunication. Right. He wow. he just didn't want to stagger, and the same was true in the very same match for Closer, who jumped off or tried to jump off on Oasis. Right. So I wonder if that's just something that they did in order to fix, uh, like possible talking points where it's like we always uh, uh argue with each other when it's overtime when it doesn't even matter that much anymore. So just throw the game away and next map, or if it's actually something you know brewing in that team, especially. Uh, between the old GC Busan roster, which we now see play more and more once again, mm -hmm. right? It's 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 hard to speculate on these things. The only thing that I realistically really care about is that team members try their hardest to win, and that didn't communicate that feeling to me. So for Susie to get in and sort of you know align them once again, also after let's not forget they actually um, lost or got rid of Bishop mid-season, right? And they, I don't think they had anyone really filling that that gap that, I mean, I mean a head coach, especially if you don't have a GM, does a lot of the GM role. So who, who did that? Mm -hmm. I think the coaches in general were just overworked and I think in general it's, it's just a great pickup because she also has the ability to communicate um, with Western audiences and really tell the story. And I, I quite enjoy the, the content that one keeps putting out and, mm -hmm. you know, showing the the um characters of the players yeah uh, i i agree with 
everything you said that uh, Susie is the right person to help integrate these uh, creative players into Western culture. Um, she's extremely knowledgeable and experienced and connected in the esports space, so it definitely makes sense. Um, I think there's a lot of different reasons uh, why you would hire different kinds of GMs. You know, she will tell you about her bronze tier uh, Bastion play. You're not hiring Susie to like help come up with strats for GC Busan, like the GC Busan players. Yeah. But if you're following her on social media, what you have seen is just an incredibly adorable uh, series of of images of how she's like organizing the house and like making sure like everyone like is comfortable and things like that, which you got, you have to value that extremely highly. Like you have to remember management, most right? Yeah. Like most players in Overwatch league you know? are quite young. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're, this may be the first time that they lived outside of home uh, for a lot of these players. Uh, so creating a welcoming environment where everyone feels like they're part of a family is so freaking important. I mean, look at Dallas. They're like the opposite of this. Like, if Susie can create that environment for her team, she's doing a great job. So uh, yeah, I'm, so, I'm happy to see it. So what you're saying I, is also, Dallas, I, Dallas needs a Susie, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think one one aspect is about Susie that obviously the community doesn't get to uh, see as much, but she's not just, you know, the the um, mom that, you know, basically, you know, helps, helps the children, does whatever for them. Mm -hmm. She also has... Um, an authoritative side, right, where she can yeah. fairly represent uh, <laughs> um, yeah. a, a viewpoint and actually also make herself heard. Is it, is it, I I would feel bad if it was misrepresented in the sense that you know she only does like the stuff. Yeah, for, absolutely. Oh, no, right. Yeah. She, she definitely gets her point across. No, yeah. she's not some you know fluff GM. You know, like I mean, she she's a legit GM here. So yeah, she she'll definitely be be in charge of she's obviously in charge of all that and you know it, and it's going to be more in touch with the management side of things you know more so than like you guys said the strategic you know the actual gameplay aspect of it so um you know it's necessary i think you know i think the ideal situation is to have one person for each right like the coach kind of takes on you know more of that and and just just having that be the strategy and you know figuring out exactly how the just which players will play and that sort of thing and then gm just takes care of basically everything else and um you know a lot of times the gms will have to like procure you know trades and things like that i'm i don't know if Susie will probably do that but um yeah i don't know maybe she will man maybe i i just you know haven't you know don't don't haven't seen that side you know of uh the just the operations and just her doing that sort of thing but whatever it is it's definitely a really good hire for the london and um you know i, I think they'll it'll start to show it seems to be showing tonight they look pretty good tonight at least <laughs> yes right good. now yeah right now uh next up it looks like bunny um end up transferring to the valiant which is you know it's been definitely a few weeks now uh from seoul and, um, I mean, Valiant has a few moves, so why don't we just talk about all the Valiant moves? So, um, uh, the Unko Custa swap, you know, happened with Dallas. Uh, also, they just re they released Envy, you know, that's kind of how Bunny came on here. Um, overall, I think like the initial reaction was just like, man, there's a lot of moves by the Valiant, you know, like this is this going to work out for them, at least in the short term. Uh, and well, the answers are obviously yes, I mean, given that they, they're five, five and oh right now, and um, you know, their schedule has been a little bit on the light side, you know, like the weaker teams, I think, you know, this, these first five games, 
but um you know overall they still look like they're playing a lot better so so thread also too i think uh ended up uh, being um sent over to the la gladiators um so let's talk about um let, let's say bunny well we'll talk about bunny in a second who's who's been the big winner between the unco custa swap here <laughs> yes, I mean, okay. Early, okay. Well, all right. All right. So, okay. Obviously, the big winner is LA Valley. That was kind of a dumb question, yeah. but, but, um, I mean, like, let's talk about just the swab because a lot of people were surprised that Dallas sent Custa over there, given that Custa seemed to have, you know, be the team leader, you know, in, in the group of guys, and especially a lot of like disarray. He was like the, at least the voice of, um, you know, the voice that they could follow. So that when they sent that sent sent him over there, it was very very shocking, and um, you know Unko obviously wasn't get you know wasn't working over at the Valiant, so they they kind of got him kind of into this this new mix. So um, first off, were you guys surprised that this swap happened? You know, in terms of of just the the dynamic within the team, as well as just even just skill level between the two players, Jessica? Yeah, definitely. So. Mm -hmm. I think ideally Dallas would have wanted if they actually for some reason lost um confidence in Shiptain, which I mm -hmm. don't know why you would have I mean he had rough games, yes, but he also put him on mercy duty for the longest time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think he has demonstrated over the uh, Overwatch history that he is adaptable. You just need to give him a little bit more time. And that's really realistically the first time he hasn't been an absolute top performer on his position. Um, so I would have definitely given him a, a little bit more time. Now, the thing is where I think people underestimate that what Anko brings to the team is he bosses around his tracer. So the, it definitely gives effect a little bit more guidance where to be. Now, effect needs to be sort of, he's like a beast that you need to put a leash on, right? So you you need to coordinate it sort of like with his tank, and that's okay in the, in the, in terms of the uh, offensive department. But when you need to get defensive and duel the other tracer, effect wouldn't do that. He would rather kill someone else on the other team. Did it repeatedly, but that's not how tracer play works anymore in Overwatch League. It works against the lesser teams, which for most of stage one actually helped them a lot to sort of you know smooth over their uh, pro problems now. With Anko, you, it's basically like, for my understanding is that, or at least that is how effects play now looks like, is as soon as Anko spots the opponent tracer, he's having a panic attack and asks uh, effects to just duel that guy in order to not get too close to him. And that also is the reason why he dies significantly less than um, Ships Hyden used to be, because Ships is not that kind of guy. Right. Hmm, okay. So that's definitely a great uh, addition. Now, ideally, I think you would have wanted Unco and Custa. Hmm. So yeah. I don't think that was possible, though. The only so the way it was communicated was they are only interested in Custa. So if you want to have Unco, you need to let go of him. And I guess they decided that this was with OGE coming in supposedly as a shot calling and leadership type that that was the better trade. So. When I think, okay, so is is it actually a net negative for Dallas? I wouldn't say so. I think they got out slightly positive. Valiant just did overly so. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I, I honestly like 
people seem to be shitting on Unko right now in Twitch chat, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. I still think Unko is a is a world class Zenyatta. So if you've got Harry Hook who can play Lucio and Mercy, and you've got Unko who can really be a solid Zenyatta in every situation, then you have Chips. If you need to, if let's say Ana gets buffed and you know you want to throw an Ana in there, they're pretty well rounded on the on the support front. But again, the thing that everyone is talking about is the fact that uh, that uh, Custa was one of the few extremely vocal leaders in game that they're losing now. So that was the kind of head scratching part. But honestly, this is one that I think it's just too early to call. You know who who is coming out on top, or if it was a good or bad trade. Um, obviously, Dallas just had a really terrible loss against uh, San Francisco Shock yesterday with Uncle playing, I think, every game, if I remember correctly. Um, but, like, I still think that it's too early to say an Uncle could still pay off here. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, talk, let's talk about, um, you know, Bunny, obviously transferring over, Envy, Silk Thread, you know, leaving. Um, yeah, overall, what, what do you see from DPS, from, from LA Valiant, and and you know just generally like what's changed with some of these these drops i mean clearly some of these guys they were, they were doing a rotation at one point you know but when when they had you know just their i mean they had a lot of dps players they had like four dps players right and um you know eventually they they seem to be you know playing with with agilities and and soon at this point so um uh you know what what do we what do we take i guess from this you know in in, in bunny's role in all of this I think the main thing it allows for Valiant to do is put Soon on Widowmaker and ha- uh, and have another extremely competent Tracer. Uh, they didn't really have the Widowmaker player to go with Soon on Tracer, so in those situations like Junkertown, where you want to run Tracer Widowmaker as your attack, mm-hmm. um, they, they they couldn't do that, and now they can. Uh, I think that's really the main thing that Valiant gets from this whole this whole movement, uh, and of course. We saw some amazing play out of Agilities, by the way. I know that's mm-hmm. not what you asked, but like Agilities has been playing phenomenal this week, uh, at, particularly yesterday. So it does seem like they they have specialists now within like that cover pretty much every DPS, which is great. Yeah, I think it's it's not only just that they cover every DPS, but it's also sometimes. I, this is now the third troll I bring up this uh, this um, <laughs> metaphor Thursday. basically, but it's like <laughs> it's basically the way I conceptualize currently Overwatch um, is you used to be get away with just being a pawn, so you would only play that one hero. Maybe sometimes someone else would have to be a rook or whatever, and would would have uh, have to be a little bit more flexible. But most of the time, pre Overwatch League, you were getting away with one having one very good character. Now, it's mo- not even that your entire roster needs to cover all the t- heroes, or most of the heroes, not Symmetra or Torbjorn or whatever, but now it's, it's also very important. It's much more like a domino, right? So you need someone that can play Widow and Tracer, mm-hmm. or you need to play someone that can play maybe Widow and another DPS pick that you can slot in when the rest of the map requires, for instance, a Genji or, or mm-hmm. something like this, right? And um, I think in in light of this, this makes much more sense, right? That you, that you bring in Bunny because not only does Bunny then take over the Tracer role, but it also allows soon to be that domino piece that plays Tracer and Widow. And he also unexplicably has a pretty sick uh, junk rat, right? So it's 
he slots in pretty well now, I yeah. think. That's a that's a great point. And it's wasn't too long that you know we were talking, especially with ZP here, um, that you know, being a specialist was was kind of what Overwatch was starting to look like. You know, you would have kind of like your role. But now I think we're getting back to what Overwatch was supposed to be, which is like different stages in maps require different types of compositions and Sometimes you might have to switch, you know, you might have to swap just to, to optimize your, your chances. So, um, yeah, having that versatility, at least a two hero versus, you know, that being versatile enough to play two heroes seems to be paying dividends now and how teams are, are building their teams. So that's, that's really, it's great to see, right? Um, being able to um, just at least continue that high level play, you know, no matter what roster you have running or what lineup you have running that map. Um, okay, how about Silk Thread? Like Silk Thread to Gladiators. Um, have we seen him play that much? I'm, I didn't. I'm trying to remember he's the. Played, gladi- he's, he's played some, but yeah, but I don't think he's played much. And I think Silk Thread, even when he was on Valiant, you know, like his definitely his playing time was was reduced quite a bit too. So um, you know, at least he wasn't dropped like Envy was. I feel I feel bad, you know, like he was just com- released, which you know definitely is is, is a tougher situation, but. Um, yeah, Silk Thread over at Gladiators. I don't know. Talk about Gladiators a little bit. I mean, they seem to, to um, they seem to be you know things are seem to be working out over there just generally with them and and um, uh, just at least this stage they seem to be playing pretty well. Last stage they played well too. So, any thoughts on Gladiators right now? The two LA teams. <laughs> I I think that that recruitment at first glance looks strange, right? Because yeah. they have hydration and they yeah. pretty much have overlapping hero pools in many ways. Thing is, I heard a pretty credible theory that now in some Western teams, especially Genji's organized dive. So what basically happens is because you can't afford as a Winston to target call or do these micro calls anymore, at least set up to set up fights, because you need to be in some room, definitely don't t- take any chip damage because that could ruin your dive. And if you then bring in a Genji that can coordinate dives, and that's also why wow. Philly looks very, very different with Echo because he's the shot calling Genji while Shad- uh, Shadowburn it doesn't do it as much. And with Silk Threat coming in, I don't know how much, <laughs> I guess, calling Fisher is willing to give up because... If you look at, at Gladiator's playstyle, no other team in Overwatch League plays like that. No other, other league, <laughs> team in Overwatch League gives the, their Winston 100% orb uptime and uh, mercy attention, right? It's it's completely crazy, but I mean, it's why works. he likes it there, man. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I mean, he's he's a complete nut, especially in in using his primal rage, right? Like yeah. like we saw yesterday. <laughs> the bounce. Oh my god, that was so awesome. Oh man. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, Fisher Fisher and Asher together are just. I mean, they got something good there, you know. Like, and it, it's definitely it feels like it's dominated by, by Fisher's play there. So yeah, Silk Thread, you know, he's always been known, you know, obviously for his Genji, and I, you know that, that's kind of cool. I didn't really realize that, you know, there, lots of some teams were considering, you know, just the Genji shot caller because of that reason, you know, just to to be in hiding, or at least the other most of the other heroes will be hiding um, before they they actually commit or to to the dive. So mm-hmm. um, okay, why don't we move on to okay? So we first bit of drama is the Dreamcaster thing. You know, at this point, it's been about a week old, week and a half old. Uh, Dreamcaster obviously had his contract terminated from Boston because of 
you know, a lot of crazy discretions, which we don't have to go into, but, you know, definitely um, inappropriate actions, you know, with, with underage person. And, um, yeah, so Boston, it might be just good to, to talk about just Boston how before and after type of thing. So, obviously, before, I feel like Boston was kind of like back on the up and up, you know, like they, they had their ups and obviously in stage one, then they kind of came back down stage two for, you know, maps or whatever reason. And then I felt like they were kind of like, you know, swinging back up, you know, whether it was because of, of the rest of the guys. And I mean, Dreamcaster obviously was a big part of it too. So when this happened, you know, I, I just kind of felt like, oh man, I, this is going to, you know, be tough for them given that Dreamcaster had been playing so well recently. Um, but you know, right after this drama, they went and going, they went and upset New York. So, um, was that a flu guys? Or do you think that, uh, you know, they, they are better, you know, or they, they seem to have recovered fine with mistake, you know, obviously filling in. Oh man. How good does that feel to be the Boston uprising right now and come back from this really terrible situation <laughs> yeah. where yeah. one of your players did a terrible thing and not even just like any old player. This is probably the biggest uh, surprise of Overwatch League so far. The big, the, the biggest, I'm not framing this correctly, but the player that has surprised the most people had been Dream Casper. I mean, right. he was looking so strong mm -hmm. in so many different situations, both hit scan and projectile. Uh, so to see him go, like, seemed like it would be a huge hit, but it's opened up an opportunity for additional talent, like mistakes to come in and play so damn well. So if you're a fan of Boston Uprising or on that team, like, this is, this has got to be a really, really great moment for you to, to mm -hmm. be able to bounce back like that and and be so successful beating NYXL, which looks like the best team in the league right now. No small feat. I agree. Like, NYXL was notoriously good at just being very, very consistent, right? They basically, they only lost two matches. And I mean, I, I forgot what the other one was, but one of them was, I believe, against London. You can easily lose that one. So. It's, it's like NYXL is extremely good probably also to just, you know, pace themselves against teams. It will give you exactly as much preparation. Now what they said was, okay, they, they had to, you know, sort of tone it down because they were also feeling some burnout. And while I, I don't think that justifies their loss, though, as much, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's still all season long they were able to be, beat these top top tier teams still just going consistently and i think it would have been a pretty big mistake to or was a pretty big mistake to um underestimate them and especially underestimate the boston system and at this point like i'm just about ready to to admit like to huck that he's an absolute genius right in in terms it's like, absolutely okay. yeah so mm -hmm. let, let's let's not just say genius but it's like just a very solid worker, right? Someone that really creates a structure that unarguably had to, to stomach the hardest Black Swan event, event, if you want to call it that. So, so the worst event that could probably possibly happen to your team, barring like a player maybe dying or whatever, like that basically happened to that team and they bounced right back. That is a that is a, a quality of a team, mm -hmm. and they're playing cl well and close now and whatever, right? That is a quality of a team that you you can't fluke that. It's it's simply impossible. Mm -hmm. That is a structure that is so inherently great 
And just also to be able to slot in a player that usually was only known for his tracer most of the time. Mm -hmm. But you incorporate him in the system. Now, how do most Overwatch League teams use their subs? They give them, like, play this niche pick. And if you're lucky, you're like, if Sombra in six mm -hmm. months or three months is relevant, then you get some playtime. No, that, that guy must have practice for all eventualities and must have increased his, the size of his champion pool to also take over just in, you know, there, there's mm -hmm. some events uh, like that, just illness, for instance, right? That where mistakes would have to take over. So to see it structured like that, I almost feel like they have to be the, the sort of um, idol. of the year type of thing. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, and yeah. just the way people will build Overwatch League teams in the future. Mm -hmm. Because what, what they famously did, everyone, everyone, including me, I, I actually, I'm quite happy that I didn't release some content I was planning to do because I was like, <laughs> okay, that's pretty unfair. But um, <laughs> it's like everyone was shit-talking them for the season, yeah. weren't they? Mm -hmm. So what did yeah. they do? They took high high gambles one didn't pan out as much snow d doesn't get much playtime but note is now a star titan he looks like one of the most yeah, aggressively great divas right mm -hmm. so they took an aggressive gamble with a minor invest which is just great business sense right and then they with that saving they just invested in coaching staff now look at all the other teams even nyxl i believe only has two guys london only has two guys um Dallas definitely didn't didn't uh, really you know no guys. benefit yes. from having too well, too few know. guys. I know. Yeah. I think at, at any given point, Boston had either four or five guys with a GM that is actively involved in your strategy, in your team building, contract signing, talking to players, giving them guidance because he ha has the the experience of it. I mean, this is this is your system. This is how you build an Overwatch. Yeah, it's it's extremely impressive. And breaking news. What? They just reverse swept oh, London. I know. They Crazy. just won against London wow. less than three minutes ago in a reverse sweep. Is this team the best? <laughs> what the hell Jesus. is happening? I mean, yeah. I, you know, we, we definitely talked about it, but the other guys have stepped up. I mean, Striker's insane right now. Gamsu. I mean, Kelly's all... all they're all four of those guys have been playing exceptionally well. So it's, it's not just, you know, this, I mean, obviously the system, you know, creates an environment so these guys can, can really, um, you know, flourish, but still the players themselves are, are playing at, at a top level. Like Stryker, I, I mm -hmm. think is one of the best DPS players period, like in Overwatch league right now. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're able to carry even, you know, mistake, is doing a great job of filling in, but you know, mistake definitely at times. You know, you can tell that he's a little bit, you know, out of sync with the the main team, or at least when we were. I definitely when we were watching the the mayhem match, but um, but overall, yeah, this is impressive and and definitely deserves to be lauded. You know, so uh, yeah, Boston. I think that by the end of the year, you know, like you said, Yiska, like this is going to be kind of a model. It's it sure looks like a craft team. You know, what I mean, like. The New York New England Patriots have always been built, except for Tom Brady for the most part, but interchangeable parts, right? Like it's it's like everybody works hard, everybody overachieves on that team, and I think we're we're seeing the same kind of formula in Boston, you know, and and obviously Huck at the helm there, but you know I'm sure he's gotten some influence just from just the exact team, 
you know, that's related to the craft or that works with the craft team too. So it, it's, it's been some, uh, definitely a great model to take a look at and, uh, yeah, just happy to see it. Um, okay. Well, in, in terms of like this, uh, stage, I mean, that's a huge upset for, uh, Boston. And I think that puts them in a good position, right? This stage to possibly make a run for it again, like in the playoffs. Well, I was going to look at the standings a little bit later, but um, I mean, we can take a look at it now, though. <laughs> they, they will win that stage. They I'm will. pretty sure. Who's well, going to stop them now? Yeah. They beat the two best yeah, teams in the, the league. Oh, that's teams. true. <laughs> yeah, just forget about record. It's just purely about how good they're playing right now. Yeah. yeah. So let me bring up the um, the standings here. Uh, that's so awesome, man. Because, you know, they, they, they got... They got knocked out by Houston, you know, in that that epic like stage one, and um, you know it's kind of heartbreaking, given how you just just the surprise they were. And now they're five and zero, oh, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean they're looking really really good here, and we got the Valiant and the Uprising at five and zero, oh, but obviously the the strength of schedules are quite different. Mm-hmm. You know, the Boston yeah. definitely have had the much tougher one. So, um, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna fare well. We'll see if. If Boston can beat New York again, New York obviously said they didn't even prep for Boston at all, and that's kind of like their excuse as to why they lost. But um, you know, we might be headed for a rematch here, which would be which would be pretty sweet in the playoffs, or at least in the end of stage three. That'd be uh, be great. Uh, okay, ne- next bit of news is we, this week. It's just been a bunch of Dallas drama again. <laughs> it seems to happen like every month or so. We get something here. Uh, the latest is that um, Kai Kai and well, Rascal was was released first, right? And then Kai Kai was then soon after, you know, released. So um, obviously a lot of uh, talk around each of them um, being released. Uh, first off with Rascal, you know, there was lots of talk about communication, you know, like he didn't have a translator. Uh, and that was like the big issue. And then a lot of people, you know, the community reacted like, why did you even like get him then? <laughs> you know, like if you knew this was going to be a problem. Astro did a, an AMA uh, he answered a lot of questions. Uh, one of the questions he answered was that he did have somebody, you know, like Wani was there, a Violet, for those of you old StarCraft II fans out there. Um, you know, he's definitely working with the team, and he's, you know, he's definitely there to be translating for Rascal. So um, a little bit of question as to why, you know, what was going on. Clearly, there's a lot of, you know, issues with culture there and, and the players you know, getting along a little bit of Koreans versus the others with Rascal in effect and the others. So um, I think this is like the first step of trying to fix some of the dysfunction that's going on over there. Um, Kai Kai being released as a coach, lots of talk of swirling around about that, at least the community, you know, just doing their thing, you know, making claims that, that Kai Kai should be taken out. Um, but uh, for the longest time, you know, Kai Kai was, was in, in uh, the coaching seat. So finally, you know, they're removing Kai Kai. It was seemed to be a player's decision, you know, according to the AMA. Um, and, um, you know, and th- I think there was even options for him, or they talked about, you know, what about just having him as an assistant coach, you know, maybe to help with transition. And I, I think the players decided that it would be best for him just not to be involved at all. So um, let's talk about the Rascal thing first, and then we'll, we'll get to the Kai Kai thing. Um, yeah, so Rascal, I mean, I feel like we never even saw the potential of rascal in this roster you know like rascal's abilities are great i mean uh, we all know his abilities and you know we it was kind of crazy just to see him leave you know his first team and then come to this team thought maybe with a fresh start that we'd actually get a chance to really see rascals shine but we never saw him shine <laughs> like so um i don't know any thoughts on just rascal and maybe why the fit just wasn't great 
Ben, you must uh, maybe Ben, you must. Oh, yeah, yeah. What I understand, it was yeah. cultural. Yeah. Um, it was not necessarily a situation where he didn't have the right translator and couldn't communicate. Uh, well, I mean, obviously that adds pressure to it, but from what I've heard, uh, it sounds like he did not really respect his teammates. He did not really respect uh, the coaching staff or, or the management. Uh, uh, so I, that that's an untenable situation. You can't really have an environment where one of your star players basically is shitting on everyone all the time. Like, uh, and I don't know the, the, I wasn't in the locker room. I wasn't there when they're scrimming, but that's what I've heard. And I, I just understand why you'd want to get rid of someone who has that type of outlook on everything, um, you know, sooner than later, you don't want to, you don't want to have them sit around and, and fester and, and increase, even increase the toxicity or, or the, the toxic environment more so. Um, so I, I, you know, everything I've heard sounds like that's the case and, and I understand why you'd get rid of them. Yeah. I think like the one thing I, I don't think is true is that Rascal is now somehow damaged goods because he's been somewhat sort of been kicked or, or whatever you want to call it yeah. from two teams now. Right. Mm -hmm. I think if you, so for London, it was probably more like he wanted to be a starter somewhere and he couldn't be. Right. And um, for for Dallas, well, sometimes you don't fit with the chemistry, and it's not like the chemistry there was very welcome in, in in the first place, right? He he came in to a dumpster fire, basically, right? So <laughs> that's a good description of it, a dumpster right? fire. So not just trash, uh, but it's on fire too. <laughs> so wow, okay. So um, I think. I think maybe it could have worked, but at some point it's just probably best for all parties. Now, the problem is I would have wished that Rascal, um, if that had happened within the transfer window, because I think some teams with, let's say, a solid coaching structure could have taken a, um, a, a gamble on him, because, little secret, guys, Every team with Westerners and, uh, and Koreans has exactly the same problems. Mm -hmm. The problem is that you don't hear about them because they're being handled internally and they're being successfully handled internally, right? Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, if you don't win, that definitely exacerbates the problem, right? But, um, yeah, I think just it, there was just not either enough coaching staff or not coaching staff with the focus skill, right? So. For instance, that is also, I mean, I don't want to uh, skip the topic, but that is definitely also true for Kai Kai, that I don't think he's damaged goods now, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I mean, in terms of handling this, you know, this is definitely a problem with multiple teams. Like, how do we handle this? Like, like what is the answer to this? Are, is the Korean players have to learn English? And, I mean, there just needs to be dedication to actually learning English because translating is not going to be good. I mean, I can't even imagine what that even looks like, you know, in terms of what comes and just this translator is doing, mm -hmm. like, like in this real-time, you know, shooter game. I feel like that's, that's insane. So um, is that what we're seeing? I mean, we've just seen more, you know, Korean and Chinese players learning English. I mean, we even have, like, 
Korean and Chinese players on the same team. So that that's like kind of crazy too uh, with the Dragons. So um, what have you seen so far, Yuska? Like is like for for other teams trying to fix this problem. So one thing I would say this: yes, you should probably learn English. And now with Rascal, it's a special case because he was on a only Korean team, right? There was not. Other than relating to the London audience, there was no high priority for him to learn English. Though I do think in seven months, you can definitely, if, if it's like, so your first priority is win games in Overwatch. Your second priority is, or like, how do I achieve this goal? Maybe I need to learn a lot of English, right? Mm -hmm. um, that wasn't true for Rascal for the most part, for, but for all the other Korean players, I think you definitely can achieve uh, a certain amount of fluency within seven months, if it is any th sort of priority. Um, it is definitely in the heat of the moment. I, like I know for myself, I'm not, I, I can't even call in German. Like, it, <laughs> like my mental faculties are completely. You know, my CPU is basically my mental CPU is basically overheating by playing the game. Right? right. I can't really communicate while doing that. Now, doing it in another language definitely probably. And I don't have any um, experience there in terms of language teaching, but mm. it, it's probably definitely much harder to do. Um, but yeah, in general, I think that those teams that have these uh, different cultures, one thing you definitely have to sort of fix is the group building. And you fix that by social uh, interaction, doing team exercises, yeah. by not necessarily allowing them to, you know, group up in in different yeah, like apartments different maybe. factions almost that yeah, type of thing yeah yeah because that happened on we know that happened on some teams that was a big issue with valiant right it, it was a pretty public issue that the koreans and the so the koreans thought everyone else sucks and then the they were like oh the french guys are actually pretty good okay so <laughs> you can come over here now and uh the others suck right like like yeah. and that's <laughs> wow okay so so they have the penthouse basically they're like oh you're allowed to come in now yeah you're you're, you're getting wow that's that's not a very great dynamic there um i mean this is going to be interesting because you know we're going to have more teams here in you know like I, I don't know how many months right like i, I think that nate mentioned something about is it six teams or eight teams it's, it's some it's either six or eight or around that for the next season and you got to imagine there's going to be a lot of Korean players, you know, just coming from the, those teams, or they're going to be filling those teams, given that the Korean pool seems to be, you know, the the uh, high skilled ones, of course. Um, you know, so this problem is going to be a very common thing. Like I, I almost feel like there just needs to be a best practice in terms of management as to how to how to deal with this. Um, I, honestly, I don't think that it has to come it's even necessarily the language barrier in this case it seems pretty clear that dallas has had a culture issue for a very long time um they they lost their confidence and then they they suddenly just fell apart and it, it just seems like they haven't had the cultural leadership to say it's okay guys we're struggling right now but we're gonna keep keep at it and we want people to feel comfortable and play what they're good at and like just build on a foundation that just never happened uh, I think that's far more to blame than any language barrier because, as you said, two-thirds of the – three-quarters of the teams in the league have uh, Korean players playing with Western players, like, on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So it's, this is not a unique problem to these guys. Um, I, I really think it 
they it comes down to a confidence that issue. Like these players in game, out of game, everywhere, just haven't felt confident or comfortable in their situation. And yeah, I mean, let's just talk about the original Vendy team. I mean, I feel like that core roster has really taken a lot of the confidence hit. You know, like Chips and Coco. I mean, like what happened to them? You know, it's like it's it's kind of amazing, like how how much of a you know, just how much they've digressed. You know, Taimu too, right? Taimu, I think, is you know had his lulls. I still think he, you know, we were talking about it earlier, right, Ben? Like, I think he still has it in him. It's just it, it's going to just take some work to kind of get back. Uh, and then even like Mickey, right? I mean, M- Mickey's also like just not not quite the same, or at least from a, a standpoint of being you know a top diva versus the relative to the other teams. So I mean, he's not even playing diva right now. Like <laughs> Seagull is playing diva. So. Um, you know, it's we're seeing like the core of the team actually um, having you know issues with confidence and like if you're management, what do you do? You know, like what would you do if you, if you were a GM of this team right now? I mean, do you do you kind of try to start fresh again, or do you you know I don't know, or try to apply some techniques to try to get get them going again? It's like how can you get them going when all these teams? I mean, you're you're pretty much got a gauntlet every single week. There's there's no teams that um, are, are going to give you like a freebie. So mm. I don't know how you even develop this confidence outside of, I, I guess, practice, but you know, you still have to show it every single week on stage. I mean, sadly, th- this season is pretty much over for them. I mean, they, they yeah. have 0% chance of making the playoffs. Like, I guess the best they could hope for is maybe playoffs for stage four or five. Wait, stage yeah. four. Stage, um, yes. So. To me, this, it's, this season has to be all about rebuilding the foundation and rebuilding the confidence. Um, I mean, we saw glimmers of the old Taimu Widowmaker that we know and love last night. Yep. Yes, they got destroyed by Shock 4-0, but there were moments where you could see that Taimu definitely still has it. He just hasn't had the opportunity to get back into that zone. I mean, how many times has he played Widowmaker or McCree? in the last, like, couple of months. I can't even remember it happening. He's only been on tank duty for months. And just imagine if this entire time they'd been letting him, you know, try out the McCree, try out the the, the Widowmaker. I I would put a lot of money like to say, like, that the team would be in a much better situation right now if, if the everyone was able to play their, their comfort zone. And you talk about guys like Coco... All right, I, I will admit there's there's some folks who kind of disagree with me on Coco. Some folks think he really was not doing well and like and he should have been benched and he totally deserved it. But I think that this team would have been stronger if you had Coco playing main tank, you had Taimu flexing between DPS and Roadhog. Like the 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 strategy and the formula that worked for them, you know, in contenders leading up to Overwatch League. I think they'd be so much better right now if they could all play those comfortable picks and just grow from that. So that's what I'd do. Yeah. I would... So one thing I have to say is I think winning a stage is a fine goal. And I think the community mm-hmm. actually undervalues yeah. that a little bit because this, this is basically like our minus or whatever, right? So yep. Like uh, for in Dota or, or whatever, for right? League, yeah. Or even a major if you, if you want, right? So... Um, I think that is definitely, if you want to set a goal, like just getting into the finals would be a pretty good one for season uh, stage four. Now, if it doesn't look like that 
um, this is a reasonable or a doable thing, I would literally brainwash them into not deriving their self-confidence in general. Yeah. I, I, I think that's an unhealthy thing to derive your self-confidence from winning and losing. Mm -hmm. I would yeah. literally brainwash all of these egos into just accomplishing their team set goals. Did we have the dive on point? Did, like, did, did I don't know, the Oge and Effect work together? Didn't, did Effect manage to not just go off by himself because he uh, required to win so much? Like, mm -hmm. redirect that focus in some way and then build a unit up once again, right? Maybe, mm -hmm. like, you also need some individual talks with these players. Because my understanding is, is that especially bench players in Overwatch League, don't get these one-on-one -on -one talks. Don't get, you know, the feeling of being really s something greater. And that is that is what really definitely does probably better. Mm -hmm. So because yeah. have we seen any anyone from the Philly bench saying anything? Like Joe's, Joe Master seems fairly involved, right? He's like cooking, man. A, player, cooking. a player that isn't on par with your starter mechanically yeah. is a free analyst for you. Why not give him a role and really help the other guy? I mean, the, the skill sets are not completely overlapping. It's not like your starter is better at everything than the other guy. Let, let them sort of uh, get, go into a room each other and teach each other, right? And to just have, like, small goals for everyone to, to sort of go after and not have these stories like Numlock, for instance, where, who doesn't seem a, see a reason for him to be there, is... Is really a tragedy, right? Mm -hmm. So I think to just so that that's the two things I would do. I would give everyone a reason to be in that team and clearly communicate it first personally. So what what you think as a head coach this player can bring to the team, and then in the team environment make clear this guy is valuable, right? And then I would reprogram their incentive structures, and I would actually get very mad with them for an or trying to win the game more than trying to win it by the correct metrics that yeah. all have degreed on previous. Yeah. I think that's a good, you know, it's structure basically, you know, and just having like a very objective goal structure and yeah, just playing a different game. I think that is a, it's something that they need. And, you know, like you were talking about Ben too, like you see moments, but that, that like summarizes the entire Overwatch League experience for Dallas is like they show moments of you know brilliance and it's usually individual brilliance but never have they showed you know the consistent type of team play that you know is really required these days so um all right a lot of this has well, to do with coaching thing right? i'd message oh, or i'd mention about dallas mm -hmm. is they have consistently risen to the occasion against better teams throughout the entire season and you've seen it against okay. Valiant this week. You've seen it against NYXL, taking them to game five. They've Every single set they've ever played against Soul Dynasty has been really, 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 really good. So that's proof to me that they've got it still. You know, it's still there. Mm -hmm. And just focus on that. Um, okay, so a lot of this has to do with coaching, clearly. And, you know, Kai Kai, we also mentioned, was released. And, you know, Yiska, you were saying Kai Kai's not damaged goods, you know, and I, I agree with you too, but... How much of this is on Kai Kai? You know, like, just uh, clearly he's in charge of game plan. I mean, when it, when it came to uh, the AMA, Hastro laid it out. You know, there's a couple, in, there was like one instance in particular where they said, like, it'd be nice if you played, you know, 
um, XQC, you know, in this one week. But for the most part, it was Kai Kai's call, you know, Kyle's call to as to who was going to play and just what strategies they would have, which usually involved switching a lot. You know, that, that was one of the things that you were probably alluding to, Ben. It's just like, it'd be nice if you just stuck with one strategy and just like at least just solidify something, you know, and not just like constantly switch. So, um, yeah, my original question, like, is this on the coach? Like, Yiska. So, categorically, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay, so here's the problem with, with Kai Kai's situation. You're in a situation where you don't know don't have job security in esports or, or especially as a coach right so you can't just walk away from from a deal it's also it, it sort of communicates uh i think in esports at least a loser mentality we've seen a lot of coaches in esports get one gig and then never again right so that's a very scary thing to do for the most part he had success with it right i think he was the right coach for their situation pre-overwatch league now you know, there's, I think everyone knows these situations where it's like, okay, so you're working with someone and you're on a first name basis. You might even get, pick beers with them every once in a while. And suddenly he's promoted to be your boss. Now, what's the relationship like, right? That's, it's hard to go, uh, go last names once again, right? Or in, in Germany, it's actually even a bigger problem because we have this different way to address, address each other in the second person so we can't say just you we need to say something different it's it's a huge social issue now how do you get how do you tell them okay this is a new boundary i need you to do this more right it's very very hard to do now ideally i think the point of no return where in a in a world where you have complete job security after this i think kai kai should have realized uh, that he had to go sooner. Now, I don't blame him for trying as much as possible because he also has a, a friendship with these guys and wants them to succeed and wants to help them, right? So it's also that with that many egos on the team and we also do- don't know how, how that team structure came about, how these players got into his team, but if he actually had uh, authority, full of authority of that, he certainly has to take some blame from uh, that there. But in general, it's, I think, yeah, the, the circumstances made it a, it a lose-lose situation for him, but I still, I still think the responsibility would be on him and a person that tries to do the right thing would have probably left after stage one. Oh, I mean tried to do the right so for the I'm team sure. in order to maximize win rates i mean i i think that's a hard thing to uh, like conclude or assess there because you don't you don't know who's coming in you know maybe i guess in a situation where you're picking your successor sure. you know like that sort of thing maybe mm-hmm. i could see that being you know, him making a decision like that but that never happens that like Nobody in sports ends up picky, like wanting to get removed from their position, regardless of job security yeah. or not in esports, right? So, I mean, that I don't think that's ever going to happen. Like, I don't think people will literally step down as coach. I mean, people step down as coach most of the time just so they don't have to get fired. You know, like it's yeah. it's more for face than anything mm-hmm. else. 
Um, I, 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 just real quick, we, real world class coaches, at least in European esports, mm-hmm. if they go to their owner, say, I need this in order to win, and the owner says no, world class coaches walk. They don't care. Now, they mm-hmm. obviously have brand value. That, that's like, if we're talking about walking, you know, like, like, uh, Monty said about Korean casters, I think this is one of those instances where it is actually, that's actually a strong play. And every owner hopefully would recognize something like this, right? It, it's both like, mm-hmm. in, in some sense, it displays character strength in both, both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Either you tried your hardest and it's not like he was lazy or anything. He was trying, right? And he was trying hard and he was probably trying too hard in many. Right, but walking from that situation where possibly you weren't given the tools, to, and that like would have probably a uh, forced a change in that team, but B would have also um, sent a real message to the the um, the management. Now we obviously that is all speculation because we don't know what actually happened between yeah. Hastra and him. And I don't know who Hastra answers to nowadays with, um, with uh, his investors or whatever, but I mean, Dallas Fuel is not doing badly financially, I would think, they're, for instance. They're still oh, arguably the most popular team. They're, they're still the most popular team in Overwatch League. Oh yeah, the yeah. moment that they, like, if they, if they come back and start winning a bunch of games, it's, it's over. The, they, they are still the most popular yeah, team. I mean, I yeah, it doesn't matter how good or bad they are. I mean, they, they clearly did a good job with branding and and obviously with the envious machine behind it too like they they're doing just fine in terms of that yeah so um yeah i mean i know what you mean by that yeska it, it could have been made a statement it's just it's tough it's super tough and, and a, a very risky play to do that just because yeah. you know they could throw you under the bus like dallas could completely spin it pure yes. like you yes. you're quitting on us like oh my god we had our coach quit on us holy shit that's like no way that like should you ever hire this guy again yeah. right so. and you also in esports you can't count on your players not being snakes and not backing you yeah, up in right. that situation right exactly the scene is not as mature and also that people have too much skin in the game if you want like this could ruin their career if they yeah. speak out in that way so i definitely understand I just think like that that would be the for me the optimal scenario but it's easy talking for me I have no idea what the yeah. background info was I have no idea what the uh, the life situation of Kaikai Kai was it's just I thought that the point of no return was long gone before he actually uh, was fired or whatever or let go Yeah they usually call it losing the locker room right I, I think he lost that locker room a long time ago or at least in stage one or, or whatnot so um yeah i i w- would be interesting to see when if and when you know he does end up getting another opportunity um but yeah now there's an open spot for for dallas so it'll be interesting to see who they they end up hiring for that too because that that is a job that i mean a lot of people will you know, if they have a choice, they're not going to take that job. Probably, you know, no. just because it is a huge challenge, and I mean, you're going to be getting a lot of crap, like in, in the the buildup of this team. So it's going to take a special personality to be able to uh, persevere through that, and you know, really, really get this team back in shape. Um, okay, well, let's let's kind of move on from the drama. Let's talk about some of the just stage three. You know, what we've kind of seen. I know we showed the standings earlier. Uh, we can kind of show them again can take a look at just like the the overall standings which is like super tight i mean this is like exciting to see 
you know, these teams, um, it's eight teams, right? Make the playoffs. So the, the six, eight, oh, is it six? Right? No, it's mm-hmm. six, six, six. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking something else. Six. So the six teams right now are super close. I mean, we've got five teams, uh, one game, uh, uh, apart, <laughs> you know, like number six and number two are literally one game apart from each other. So, um, New York's pretty much a lot. It looks like it's going to be locked. Even if they had like a, a bad season in, you know, like season stage four, I think they'd be completely fine here. So, um, this stage obviously is going to play a big role. Uh, Boston, obviously making a huge play for this, but we still got spots up for up for grabs, you know, between, I mean, it, it, maybe New York loses again and gets like super interesting. Uh, the fusion too. Like I never know sometimes with fusion, like sometimes they look like one of the best, like literally the best team in the, the league. And then the, the next week they kind of like play down to their, their, uh, competition. So, um, yeah. What do you guys think? Like predictions right now, mid, mid season or not mid, we're definitely past mid, mid, uh, uh, stage here. Who do you think is going to get those last two spots? I, I mean, if anyone falls from from their current position, I get the feeling it would be Philly. Um, I mean, they have the their you know, their, know their, their map record's definitely much more vulnerable, right? Than than the New York one. Like it's much closer to the other two teams. Like if you're talking about Gladiators and, and Soul Dynasty, Soul Dynasty, man. I don't know. Like I, I don't actually think they're going to get in like again this year. I, I think it's between the Gladiators and, and Fusion. Which, just whichever team gets hot, right, in these last couple weeks. I think uh, it's going to be pretty... Uh, it's going to make a, a pretty good run there. Oh, that's one thing that we didn't talk about either. There's going to be four teams that make the playoffs this time around. And so so that, that's nice. Uh, I think it'll at least even out the number of matches played, which is, is nice because, uh, you know, the team that... That kind of comes from, you know, just the, uh, you know, that gets that number four, the last spot, number three spot, has to play a bunch of games, right, leading up to it, um, or, or but at least the the extra game, right. So yeah, uh, the, you know, we'll get three games, I guess, on the Sunday, just the semis and the finals, and then um, kind of determine that. But yeah, overall, just anything that you noticed so far in the stage, like any, any teams you think might be dark horses or might get hot here at the end. Cause it seems like always one team gets crazy, crazy hot. And, um, you know, either comes close to making the playoffs or does make the playoff. I've always been a gladiators fan. Just, uh, mm-hmm. maybe it's just my, uh, my, my heart more than anything, but <laughs> I've always, yeah. I've, I've been playing games this year for, for many, many, many years. So I, I just love watching that team do well and they're doing really well right now. So I, I'd put them at the top of my list as like teams I'd like to see have upsets. Yeah. I mean, isn't it crazy that, okay. So I think you could even argue that the extension for one slot might help New York Excelsior gets into the playoffs <laughs> right. because we don't know. Like I'm, I'm looking at the other screen. We don't know how they will play against uh, Fusion, right? Mm-hmm. So realistically, it could have been just three Western teams in a stage playoff. Now, how crazy is that? That is right? pretty crazy. Oh my god! If New York so, got knocked out, holy smokes! That would be four <laughs> Western teams. Oh, that would be insane, dude. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think it, ultimately, I think. Uh, NYXL has another another gear that they could kick into mm-hmm. during stage playoff. I think so. I was I was famously 
promoting the idea that London was sandbagging uh, through oh, yeah. stage <laughs> one and stage two. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And um, like this seems to be more likely now that it, I mean, sandbagging is really a stupid, stupid way to frame it. It's more like pacing themselves in order to not have burnout too much, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And to just put in like the the uh, the B team every once in a while, so the, these guys are satisfied with their position in the team, and then um, also maybe not prepare as hardcore for s certain opponents, or if you get a trap game, not completely overwork you yourself where you're suddenly losing both games that week, even though you'd only had one opponent, a uh, very strong opponent, and then the, the mid-tier team also beats you. So I think just grinding it out at this point is probably what NYXL is doing. And then as long as they stay in the stage, final, uh, stage finals every th single time, I think that is just about everything that they can hope for, because it's very unlikely to me that they will ever let go of the first spot in in, in till uh, stage yeah, four. They have, too, they have too much of a lead here. It's it's, I mean, they've got like a five game lead on, on yeah. Boston and Seoul right now. So that's almost yeah, like that's... an entire stage. <laughs> like they could go zero and five yeah. right now and, and still be number one. So yeah, so that's that's crazy for NYXL. Um, they they basically so. Like if you measure it by price money one, they basically ba want to get into all stage finals, win those, then get the first place in Overwatch uh, in the in the complete season, uh, which is probably at this point pretty much a given if they make it to all the stage finals. So if they can pace themselves and then go like hardcore in these crunch times uh, positions where it's like stage playoffs or obviously playoffs of the entire overwatch league if they can then take the resources they saved within themselves and then explode once again i think that's the preferable uh, situation for them yeah. and i think they pretty much communicated exactly that well i mean their explosion last stage barely pulled it off <laughs> so you know like the the gap is closing you know it's clear that it's been closing whether it's because they're you know they are what happens to people that are on top, you know, they just have a hard time figuring out how to improve until, you know, they, they do get beat some, uh, or, or if it's something else, like, I, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting playoffs again. Um, whoever makes it, what do you guys think about shock? I, I feel like shock have, if they could just like not have super be sick and, you know, like they could just like have that core there with our, in, in our, in the architect two. Oh no. Uh, Gosh, I feel Dante like Dante is playing amazing. Dante is playing amazing, but I feel like the pieces are are there. They just haven't played enough together. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like they might be in a really dark, like a really deep dark horse. But they they have the potential to to go on a run here. And I don't think yeah. Soul is going to do it. I think Soul is just struggling right now. So um, yeah, I, I I see potential in Shock being able to pull out some kind of crazy miraculous pull, run. And that'd be quite a story, too, if they actually did. <laughs> that'd be pretty awesome. Um, okay, let, let's see. Actually, what's the current what, what's the current uh, score now between the two? You guys know? Uh, oh, right now. Let me see. Actually, see. Oh, it's still first map. Oh, is it? Okay. And say. Yeah, they looped around, so it looks fairly even at the moment. Yeah. Well, another thing to talk about is let's talk about the bottom, <laughs> of course. You know, cool. it's it's everybody's, you know, the 
just novelty thing is to pick when the Shanghai Dragons are going to win. And we've got the Mayhem versus the Dragons coming up here. Uh, I think it's next week. And of course, I've been doing, you know, uh, just the, the Mayhem parties with just the Chaos crew, which we started. And man, it's it's so close. I mean, we had like we played a great series against uh, the Shock this past um, this past week here in West Palm Beach, and then uh, we've got like an Orlando party coming up this week too. But you know, for all this talk about the mayhem, like looking better, and they're, they're like, oh man, they're they're actually like a sleeping giant and all this stuff. Like, I mean, we're still zero five. Like, look at our game record. Our game record's terrible. So. I mean, is this more hype than anything else? I mean, Seiya players had his moments. Like, he's just, like, absolutely amazing. Awesome guy had his, you know, like, I think clearly awesome guy's out of sync with the team. But, you know, you can kind of see a little bit of a difference there. And, you know, we haven't gotten a chance to see Logix and Seiya player really get a chance to play a lot together. But do you, is there actually, I mean, is there truth to this, Jisco? Or is it, this is just, like, hot air that's just trying to hype up the mayhem right now? The problem I see is that, while they did definitely get great players, um, I feel like the way the meta has been for the longest time, they didn't get them in the right position. So they like at Winston Slab, the 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 guy that basically does everything found like a golden ratio, and it's like the standing you have in Overwatch League is almost like directly correlated with the strengths of your flex support, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Now, so I think that Mayhem probably would have to be considered, yeah, the 11th best backline in the Overwatch League. So, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I think they should have probably... I don't know how... How much, how involved Sebosai still is as a caller on um, Mayhem, but I would say a lot, which is kind of interesting because, for instance, some fusion players have been saying, um, I, I don't know if it's, I, I mean, I, I could, I don't think they mind, but that it's very hard to play Lucio nowadays, keep your flex support alive and communicate at the same time. So, mm-hmm. um, that, that is a problem, certainly. And yeah, I, I think. Mayhem should have just stocked up on on uh, backline players, and they missed that window. But you know, we have to say, like, even though they they are obviously bottom of the league, they are the team that has dodged most of the drama most effectively. So from that part, like the the only thing where they really had a problem with was that the community was mad with the ownership of not getting them yeah. the tools <laughs> that they need to succeed. Right. right the, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I think Mayhem is in a fine position. I don't think they... Mm-hmm. Like, from, from the resources they've committed and also just comparing that to all the other teams, they're not necessarily underachieving by any sense of the imagination. So mm-hmm. I think Mayhem's just sound. I don't know. I, I like their progress. I mean, if there's a team yeah. that's assuming that type of um, process that you were talking about, the Dallas fuel should probably do is definitely the mayhem i mean they clearly have been out of you know this contention after probably stage two to be honest so they've been clearly just trying to work on playing good overwatch and you know mm-hmm. we we definitely have seen seen times where, where they've done it and i think they were you know the communication they fixed their communication right that was like the huge thing that they fixed in the last stage and they ended up you know getting a couple of victories during that 
And then now we introduce new players. So they're having a little bit of a, I think, a, a reset there because they have to, you know, integrate these guys and, and get used to them. But uh, I hope they do, man. There's like so many good support players right now in contenders. So you know, hopefully they'll be able to snag some of those guys like right when the season's over before like the influx of six teams or whatever comes in and adds up a lot of good players. All right. So Shanghai, I mean, are we picking mayhem over Shanghai then? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming like if I see Bren wearing the cape again, man, I am just like, <laughs> I don't know, man. He seems to be trying to guess, guess, uh, the man, the, the Shanghai win like every single week and it's just not happening. So is it going to happen this season? How about that? Is the Shanghai first win going to happen this season? Hard to say, man. I, it doesn't look like it right now. <laughs> yeah. Like I see Dallas like kind of bouncing back a little bit. Shock's looking better. Mayhem's looking better. Let's, let's look at the schedule. Let's look at the schedule. So you see where they're playing. I mean, the Mayhem might, I think the Mayhem might be their best chance. Like this, this is coming up. Fr uh, oh, this is tomorrow. Shoot. I didn't realize it was tomorrow. Mm. Which is, yeah. So tomorrow's are going to be obviously our, our, our party in Orlando too. So definitely if you're in the area, go and, uh, Check out the the Chaos Crew at uh, is the Oblivion, uh, yeah, the Oblivion Tap House, I believe. So yeah, this one uh, I think that's going to be their best chance. Week four they got Boston uh, Fusion, and then week five they've got let's see, what do we have? Shanghai. We've got New York, and we've got London. So I think this is their best chance right here. This is good. Like they literally play the t the best teams in the league the rest of the way. So if they don't get it against the mayhem, then I think that's going to be it for them. Uh, do you see progress there at least? You know, they obviously added the three players, and um, I, I think they're getting better. But but clearly, you know, they they still have a long ways to go. How do you build that team? That team is man. I don't even know what that that that's going to be a difficult thing because I think you got to go back in time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pick people. That's a team. Like, would you start from scratch at the end of the season? Like, would you just wait? Like, just release that entire team and start over? I think a lot depends on if there's a check in China slot, so you can just go full Korean. Or if there's some <laughs> some pressure from oh your audience God. or your fans to go Chinese players once again, there's like, good Chinese players too. They just don't yeah. necessarily have them all. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, well, it's going to be be a rough season for the Shanghai Dragons. But you know, somehow though, PR wise, they are still coming out pretty well. People people love that team. Love that. Yeah, I just hope that they the players can like not take take it too hard on themselves. If they start go pulling at Dallas, it'll be bad. Uh, yeah. No, they they seem to. I don't know. Now, like I said, they they seem the, mo the they they're the most well liked O and twenty five team I've ever seen. <laughs> like in in anything. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, that's a. I think that's all we have for like topics. Um, if we got any questions, guys, any Q and A in the chat or Twitter. Let me see if we got anything on Twitter. Um. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I uh, don't have anything right now. Uh, but any, anybody in chat, if you got a question, just definitely uh, um, uh, put it in chat, and then we'll we'll definitely read it out. But um, uh, yeah. So I I've uh I've been doing these like watch parties, which has been fun. I don't know if you guys have been following the watch parties with um, just what like the the five deadly venoms have been doing, you know, and. 
you know, they, they, we've been doing some like charity events recently, like the outlaws, uh, watch party or fan organization and the five deadly venoms. They, they, they raised like, I forget how much money they raised. I think they might've raised like a thousand dollars or something, but, um, it seems to be, you know, happened in every single, or trying, they're trying to get it going. Like, um, just these final weeks of, of the season where, you know, we'll have like these, these, uh, fan organizations playing against each other leading into the matches when when we actually play each other in the matches so it's kind of fun man getting these local scenes going you know like when the teams finally come back to the yeah come back to the uh uh the locations then we'll actually have a fan base so been trying to do that with a guy or at least with uh lawns ponds here in in chat you can see and it's it's been a lot of fun we we have like a, a bigger challenge than everybody else we've got like an entire state like everybody else has one city, man. It's not fair at all. Like <laughs> we've got like five cities. It's or six cities. It's kind of crazy. All right. Here's a question from Lon Spons. What's the possibility of seeing Mendo get playing time in the in the Outlaws? Oh man. Is What's he... like the most obscure character that you could main? Doomfist? <laughs> I don't know. I guess yeah. he's gonna be a Doomfist main. Oh, you mean like an actual viable character? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. it could be. Yeah, the Mendo story is just so... It's bizarre. <laughs> you know, because everybody thinks that Mendo is just, like, not caring and he doesn't have to show up and everybody's like, you know, how how is that even possible, right? But, you know, the, the story from his side is that, you know, he, he talks to, you know, the coaching staff all the time and it's just, you know, he has like, an issue with confidence, I think, right, on stage and, and that's just played out so i i don't know it's kind of like I, I don't understand when teams have players whether it's like mendo or it's even iddqd and like they just sit on the roster and they do nothing like like what's the benefit of that you know like do you guys see any value in that i mean i guess if you're a streamer it's good like iddqd at least streams but mendo i mean he doesn't even stream these days does he like very much yeah but I mean, he still has fans, right? Yeah. I, th- I think the the Mendo story has been pretty hard to assess from the outside for a while now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But from from what he what what he says, it's also a very hard situation to deal with, right? Is I think he has been pretty open on Reddit about uh, mental health issues, and yeah, that is also nothing. Uh, new for him right that was already part of the whole sinine debacle they had back in the day so like the problem is that someone in a situation like this also doesn't have the ability to inherently help himself or pull himself up by its own bootstraps necessarily right Mm -hmm. it's it's very hard for for him to fix that and like i i i really like that Tyrong seems to be helping him so much, but like he he himself is new in that culture, so he doesn't know how to get a therapist or something, right? Or mm-hmm. how to uh, approach these certain issues. Um, I think it was a bold move by Flame in the in the beginning. So I, I remember that announcement stream after. So he announced his roster, and he went on his personal stream and talked about the reasons uh, he signed these players. And he was like, he felt that, and I don't want to misquote him, but I think it was something like, he felt that if anyone could make Mendo work, it would be him. Mm-hmm. And 
it's uh, it's a it's an admirable uh, thing because I always thought Mendo was possibly one. I, I, I don't follow CS as much, but he seemed to be one of the most insane FPS talents we had in Europe for a long time, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Now, that has been also pretty much a year ago, if not longer. Longer, probably, and yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wish... Because, because he, he used to be sick, right? Like He used to be a very good player. And I think he, he, he has the inherent ability, and I don't think he's lazy or anything. It's just a very strange or very hard situation to deal with, which you can only sympathize and hope that, you know, having that Overwatch League contract allows him to, um, you know, have access to the healthcare or whatever, whatever he needs to become whole again. Yeah, hope we see him. Yeah, I I hope so too. I mean, he's definitely super talented. I mean, I, we don't get a chance to see him play that much anymore, but, um, you know, Mendo has always been... There hasn't ever been a question with that, especially with like flex heroes and things like that. He's always been very versatile. So, um, yeah, I mean, you'd think with these teams always talk about them having like mental, you know, ther- mental health therapists, you know, and, and just support for that. But I never hear about these these guys like going on a regular basis. Like, you know, therapy happens on a regular schedule, you know, and that and it's supposed to build upon itself and build upon itself. But yet I don't ever hear that, you know, like talking to Tyrone's great, but like, why wouldn't you, you know, it'd be awesome if you actually talk to a professional, you know, like sports psychologist or a therapist and, and having that kind of like work through it. But um, I mean, it's not like I'm saying it's Mendo's fault. I'm just saying like, you know, the the support that you would want to see from some of these guys, like I, I, maybe we're just not hearing about it, but I, mm. I, I feel like you would, you know, like you would hear at least some like, oh yeah, we've you know, been working on this and it's, you know, feeling good, you know, like I'm, I'm feeling like I'm my old self again, or I'm building back myself, you know, or whatever. But I, we haven't heard much of that. So it kind of makes me wonder if that, the, you know, if there truly is proper mental health support, you know, um, with these teams. Um, next question we got here is, do you see the outlaws missing final playoffs? Ooh, man. I, they're on the bubble. Yeah. I, unless they turn around, unless. Jake like becomes super good at tracer, you know, um, and or at least if the map pool favors them, like really, like if the map pool for stage four is really really good for them, then they might have a chance. But right now, I think that they're they could be outside. I, I would actually bet that they would be outside looking in. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's also even the map pool now should help them a lot, right? There's at least three junkrat maps in the pool, mm, so true. That's a good point. I don't know. Strange they, they've them. been kind of up and down, right? This this uh, stage right now. I mean, they could if they went out the rest of you know they went out like the last uh, was it three games here, then you know they'll put themselves in a good position at least. Um, you know, not for this stage, but at least for the overall grand picture. Okay, next thing, last one maybe. Um, okay, what is the overview schedule moving forward? How often will you guys do the podcast? So we just try to do it whenever we can, like we. Even this episode, we were trying to get together for like a week and a half now. So, um, you know, we're just busy. You know, ZP obviously couldn't even make this one because yeah. of, of Andy uh, is in a tough spot yeah, <laughs> casting yeah. contenders all the time. So, yeah, yeah. And I mean, th- I've, I've been super busy lately too. So, uh, yeah, I can't really promise anything. Like I said, like, you know, we, we just said that we weren't going to do it every week. So maybe every two weeks, every three weeks, I, I would think that would be a, a pretty uh, normal frequency. We had to do one this week. It's just too much 
to go on, like too much to talk about. And if we didn't do one, it would have been like even more. We'd probably have to skip like a bunch of topics. We don't want to do that. Uh, but all right, guys. Well, why don't we wrap up? Um, uh, thanks for the questions, guys. You got questions for next week? Go ahead and email those to the overview at chainmanv.tv, and we'll read them out next week. But Yiska, thanks for uh, joining us today and staying up. You know, I know it's like super early over there right now. Oh my so. god, I can see the sun rising in the background. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, any shout outs you want to do before you take off, man? No, I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Okay. Yeah. Anytime, man. It's definitely uh, great getting your insight there. Uh, Fish sticks. How about you? Ah, uh, nothing really. Yeah. We'll, right. we'll try to do the show more often <laughs> in the future, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Any any anything to share for your possible future or anything? Oh, yeah. No. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. A lot of lot of conversations going right now. Okay. All right. Uh, cool. I'd say there's like a 70% chance that I'll be working in something directly related to Overwatch. Okay. So we'll see. Nice. Yeah. Good. We'll see. It's about time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, I'll round things out by thanking you guys. You know, thanks for everybody that's watching. I know, you know, obviously the matches are going on right now. It's not the ideal time for us to do the show, but better we do it and, you know, get the VOD out and get all the audios out than not doing it at all. Right. So, um, if, you know, thanks for the, those that are hanging out in chat asking those questions and um, you can find the VODs obviously on youtube.com slash As always, you can find the audios on iTunes and Google Drive, oh, not Google Drive, Google uh, Play and soundcloud.com slash If you enjoy the show, leave a review, a five-star review. It really helps out and when people are looking for Overwatch podcasts too. Uh, but that's going to be it, guys, for this week. So for Yiska, Fish Sticks, and myself, Chamin V, we'll see you next week or maybe in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs>